0: Hello and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and I'm joined with Nika, Jordan and Nico to discuss what makes a great producer. So it's an awesome guest here for that topic. Uh, Before we jump into it, uh, let's work our way around the room with some introductions of who you are and what type of producer you are. So, uh, Nika, do you want to kick us off? I think this whole
1: podcast will be uh, Nico or Nika?
2: (laughs) exactly
0: <laughs>
1: okay because they start speaking so i'm gonna guess it was nika uh hi everyone yes. i'm nika. I'm producer at dice and when it comes to the type of a producer i am uh, i mostly have product owner hat which means i uh, work with uh, prioritization roadmaps uh, backlogs and i am paired with my project manager which we call development directors who are working with the teams on when things actually that i would really like to come Actually, will be delivered.
3: Awesome, uh, Jordan. Uh, my name is Jordan Peterson. Um, I'm currently a producer at Thunderful. Um, my past has been in kind of live service and handling live products. Over the past couple of years, I've transitioned into more of an internal development. So, day to day managing backlogs, updating backlogs, creating and executing sprints. Uh, roadmaps, milestones, timelines, budgets, whole project run. Awesome.
2: Uh, Finally, Nico. Hello, everyone. My name is Nico Pyrvnen. I'm executive producer at Sign Games. Uh, Sign Games does a little bit different kind of games uh, with pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. So in my role, I'm I'm basically the link between the pharmaceutical companies, uh, business team, and the developers. So uh, also a lot of uh, ownership about the product and a little bit of uh, like business uh, business side as well, since uh, we are only 10 people, so a lot of things to handle. Uh, my background is uh, I have been at Sargent for five years and uh, also doing uh, for uh, a GDA and other industry uh, community work on my free time many years.
0: Awesome. Thank you for those overviews
2: guys. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: So uh, as always, each of you have brought a question relevant for discussion around what makes a great producer. So uh, as usual, we'll work our way around the room with each of you uh, posing your questions and getting your answers uh, for each of them. And so I guess we'll start with uh, with Jordan, uh, what's your question?
3: Um, as, a, as a producer, typically working with teams requires some rapport, um, which falls heavily in soft skills. I, I'm interested to know what are your best practices for facilitating work out of your team. All right,
0: I'll open the uh, the floor here. If want to jumps in, jump in first.
1: I can start. There's <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a silence. Yeah. I'll kick it yeah. off. I have um <laughs> um I'll, I'll try I'll try not go really into depth as I'm very passionate about this topic.
0: Now feel so, free to go in.
1: <laughs> yeah, so true. I mean I've been at Star Stable before where I had a role of a product owner which was which was pretty much a producer, but I was both a project manager and a producer. So at the same time, I work with, with uh, Jordan mentioned, I work with both on the backlogs, priorities and the roadmaps, but also on um, the actual planning with the team uh, on how to deliver um, on those, uh, on the priorities and uh, on, the, on the items that you want to uh, create. However, at DICE, I took on a little bit different role where I uh, mostly focus on the actual product owner role where the project management part of it is uh, handled by someone else. Um, And when it comes to facilitating teams, what I did realize in working also in very different teams, I went from like working with a small, smaller 10 people team, uh, I would say much younger, um, more junior, and then going to big teams up to 60 people. um, Definitely different facilitation tools are needed for different types of teams and different types of work. So I personally really love if If people are not, if developers are not really familiar with the planning and understanding why we plan things, I really, really like whiteboards and post-its. Like, that's my, like, kind of a baseline. This is the way how I learned planning, and I really like it because it really helps you visualize the work that you do. You can do slicing. You can do like, hey, this is what we want to do. Cool. This is the most important thing. We break it down. We color code it by craft. And then we go into simple estimations by half day, day, two days. You know, we do days. But then the team learns Okay, why do I do planning? Why is the planning so important? When you're a more mature team, but you know you've been through that road, you are already in Zira, you're already in spreadsheets. Um, then it is, I think it's it's really good to use those tools as as tools such as ERA gives you a really good overview of you know the burn down charts. Okay, um, uh, you can do a lot of like performance reviews of like, how, like, how did we estimate, did we estimate it? We estimated well. And also like you just input a lot of data and it actually gives you, okay, this is when things will be completed. Um, also one thing I really find important is, is visualization. So when I work with bigger teams, when I don't actually do the planning itself, but I'm trying to communicate, this is what we're trying to do and trying to get team, you know, rallied around it. And then they will, you know, break down and do their own little, their own plannings in the separate teams um, I like using the tools such as Miro, for instance, uh, just because it's a giant whiteboard where I can very easily visualize, hey, this is what we are doing. This is why we are doing the things. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is what... So it's a lot about explaining the team, the, the why's, which I believe it's extremely important as that then helps them under- find the best solution. So cool. Hey, I'm, You know, we are trying to drive week-over-week engagement on this feature or throughout this period. And they're like, okay... Hmm, we have this and this idea, maybe we can do this, but we have these constraints. so does it fit? Uh, no, but maybe we can find some other way. I usually have a lot of good conversations in when I
2: set things up like that. So this is a, yes. my little rant about it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree that uh, the first things first is that team needs to know the vision uh, before that we, we can't work together. And uh, when we have the vision, everyone knows what's the vision. Then we have to agree with the vision and commit. And then everyone needs to own it and um, play uh, up cards, as we as we said at times. So we, uh, if, if we do not agree with something, uh, we really like uh, inform about it. And uh, because everyone wants the best for the company and for the product, we discuss it through. If someone has uh, some doubts about some idea or uh, design feature, or anything, but. So that we can everyone uh, like agree with the vision. And that's that's like really important. And all the tools, as you mentioned, Iran and Miran, and everything helps with with the communicating through the vision and the idea of the game.
3: Yeah, by coincidentally, I think those are near my my biggest points, which is clear direction and 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 development buy-in, right? Uh, having having clear direction, understanding what you want to make, where you want to go, why you want to go this way, and what problems it solves for the end user or your development team, depending on what kind of piece of work it is, and making sure that the development team is able to buy in so they're able to to properly estimate and get a healthy understanding and facilitate that work without without overscoping or 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 doing too much work and not being able to to execute on the piece of work at the end of whatever it is, whether it be a spread door milestone and yep. is extremely important to me as as a producer
1: uh, I would just like to like kind of uh, go on top of it because I really like that you mentioned, you know, be it a sprint or a milestone. I think the f- flexibility in the way how you work, you should always adapt to your team and to type of a game you're making. It's, and especially make game because one thing I've learned, like games are very different depending on what type of a day, game they are, for which platform they are. So I, I often have these discussions where, you know, Uh, People try to shoehorn a bit certain like methodologies or processes they see in work somewhere else where you should be more flexible, especially because the game development is such a creative environment, uh, which you can't really have this very cut dry (laughs) software development we're going to do in sprints every two weeks. Here's a portion of, I don't know. I always like take this example. So I'm making, um, okay, I'm making hardware. So I make a tank. I love tanks that side beside the point but i'll have thanks what, what are you gonna do in two weeks oh here's um here's the wheel of a tank like it doesn't work that way yeah. <laughs> like you have certain like you need to like first have concept art on you need to have like like you, know, you can break it down but you can't break it down in the most like the the by rules way as in like we're gonna do every two weeks and then we're gonna have part of it done every two weeks yeah,
3: exactly yeah, I think one of I think one of the biggest pieces um, a couple of years back I did um, Scrum Master certificate training, and the, a lot of what was covered in there, I realized I was already doing on a day to day basis. Um, yep. I may not have known the particular methodology name or or terminologies for it. But I was executing these a lot of it on, uh, on a day-to-day basis. What I did really learn there was there is no real right answer for any one particular team. It's what works. You work with what works best for the team. And and I think retros are a core piece of that where by doing those, you identify what does work for the the team, what doesn't work. What can you improve yeah. on? What should you seek to implement? Does the development team have buy in on on different pieces or or ideologies they'd like to implement?
2: Yes, definitely. And if there there are team changes or anything like that, then like the dynamics might change, and then we have to like um, maybe take a look uh, at the rules and how we work together, and um, like how there's always something how we can improve. When we are working with the team and uh, we can of course we can try different things and uh, then see how how those go. And go if it's not improving the process or or like the, it's not beneficial for the team then we we don't want to use that okay but sometimes some like small changes can make big improvements and everyone uh, really like likes it and then it's like uh, brings the team more together and it's like retrospectives are really really good way to like uh, reflect those uh, changes and then improve the process
1: and I also need to add that in, on top of it I would say the general good guidelines is does it make sense I think before yeah. doing the change or permit I think it's really good to ask yourself and the team does it make sense why are we doing this what is the worst problem with new process? Of the new ways of working would solve for us. Uh, I found that they usually a very good validation step in making sure, like, oh wait, that actually makes sense, and team is much more willing. to, Okay, let's try it
2: out and let's see how it works for us. Exactly, and mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to mention that uh, about like the safe space uh, when creating all the like um, rules, how to communicate with people and how to uh, work together. It's it's a like must have thing before anything else to have that space where you can. Um, like challenge ideas and uh, introduce your ideas and uh, like uh, uh, speak openly about everything so without anyone taking anything personally because we all want to make the best games in the world so so i
0: guess to to kind of summarize the uh, the points everyone's been kind of making there, obviously like for best practices uh, be ready to kind of um, adapt and change your approaches depending on what the the task is or the uh, the goals uh, and always be willing to kind of uh, learn <laughs> and, uh, develop with the team, uh, but also like yeah. set clear expectations and um, uh, communicate well. Make sure everyone understands uh, the goals and the current task at hand. Is that fair to say, Jordan?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say that's fair. I also I think uh, another piece of that is is really making sure that your development team is engaged in the work that you're creating, right? So that it's not just your you're facilitating work downwards to them they're they're invested in the product they're invested in the work absolutely
0: so i guess uh it's like a nice little uh, closing point there um so i guess we'll move on to our, our next point uh so uh nika <laughs> uh do you mind giving us your question
1: yes i want to i wanted to ask something a bit more trickier in a way well it's not but it's like it's actually touching upon something uh you know when things don't go really well so when handling the project and the team, when everything is on track, it's an easy part, and I'm gonna do easy with air quotation. <laughs> but what are your best practices when the deadlines are missed? As that's where um, it becomes quite challenging.
3: Um, I think the an experience I had at, at Funcom kind of embodies this, where it was how do we solve the problem, and and not necessarily focusing on what caused it or or the fault you it was yep. let's let's identify how to fix it document it for later and and so that we have this and we remember what happened but it's it's not point finger you don't focus on the fail yep. you don't point fingers you don't you don't focus on on who messed up where when why how it was how do we mitigate this problem how do we come to a decision on how to fix it and what are the actions we need to take and it's and it's being decisive in the in those moments where you have to make you have to identify you have to you have to focus on where you're going to what you're going to do what those actions are and and do it quickly especially when you're working in something that's a live product in a live service right it's every minute kind of counts especially like in 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 a world where if your game goes down right your your player base isn't you're actively playing those everything you do and uh is is i mean for a lack of better term it's it's dollars on the table that you're leaving, but um it it affects your product and and so being in a position to fire on all cylinders and 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 execute and fix the fix that problem, and then look back at it later and and at the documentation, what went wrong here? How can we avoid it in the future?
2: Yes, uh, like really, um, well said. I don't know, do I have that much to add? But um, yeah, just like even though it's a full panic mode. Try to stay calm and uh, defuse the bomb and then reinforce the team morale and then fix the problem, um, like depending on the problem, of course, like how we are going to fix it? And can we cut something? Can we update it later? Uh, can we outsource something? Can someone help us? Like what we do, of course, and then like make the plan and inform again, everyone that needs to be informed and afterwards going through what happened, what happened and of course not blaming. Anyone for mistakes or anything like that, but just like um, going through what happened and why and how we can avoid those like in the future. Yeah,
1: it seems get... like we are. Oh, sorry, it seems like we are all taking a very similar approach. And Jordan actually touched upon something that the reason why I asked this question as someone who worked on live service games for. Almost a decade now. So before this, uh, before working at Dice on Battlefield 2042 live service, I worked on bf 5 live service, and before that, I worked at Star Stable, a game that had weekly updates. And that being said, we don't mention when you have a live service game, when you miss a deadline, it has a big impact because there yeah. are plans being made. What's going to be released when? Um, and uh, I mean, I I can say, I think this is the safe space. I can say, we missed our deadlines, it happened. It's not nice. But I think you really touched upon something first, could be sure that it's communicated because in a way you're reaching trust, you're reaching trust that you, as a team, you're committed to some deliver something on a certain date uh, and you want to reestablish that trust by being very open, transparent and communicate about, okay, this is the and focus on solutions. This is the plan. This is how we can solve this together as a team, and not just your team, but as a team as a whole. And I often see when the deadlines are missed and we you know, we will not have something ready by time we need it to have it ready. Usually, um, a good experience I have when we go outside of the one team to the whole team um, and ask for help. Hey, can you help us? You know, How can we solve this problem now? Because uh, we'll not be able to li- deliver a feature or content or something on time. Uh, but it seems like we all take the similar approaches and definitely no not place in blame, we'll focus on solutions and, you know, we'll tackle why and how it happened later. But because that's uh, we don't have time now to dwell on that, we just need to go into solution mode and crowdsource the solution mode from the rest of the team. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. I guess that makes to- total sense, right? Because um, making games, it's it's hard. You know, everyone knows that. I mean, um, maybe maybe the players think, oh, it's just a cool game. I enjoy playing it. Must be easy, right? Uh, no, <laughs>
3: but I guess uh, you no, know, deadlines it's not a surgery as far as anybody's concerned, right? So I mean,
0: like it, people deadlines, people have no idea. It will be How difficult. Missed, this so. is. <laughs> This is a cry for help on the podcast. <laughs> but um uh, <laughs> but I guess to, to kind of summarize the uh, the points that obviously um you know be stay calm, carry on. Uh it's the old mantra goes. Um, you know, these things happen. What what are the big learns? Uh how can we make the uh, the game better or the uh, the future uh, sprints or milestones better uh, down the line. Yeah. Is there any any final points anyone wants to make before we uh we move on to the next point? No, <laughs> All right, uh, so, we all good. the
3: agreements about
0: yeah, you've all been through hell you're with right. the, uh, the deadlines.
3: <laughs> uh, I but... I mean it's it's inevitable, especially in web yeah. service, right? It, it's yeah. inevitable that you're going to miss something. I, like, rarely does something just execute properly. There's there's always something that goes wrong. It can be minor, it can be major, but there's always something that goes wrong. So it's it's realizing that. The warmth of the fire isn't isn't gonna burn you out, right? And and let's focus on the problem. Yeah. Let's focus on the solution. Let's action on that solution and get this product back in. Right, like Nika said, establishing trust and not only in your development team but your player base, right? Yeah. And and making sure that they're in a position to be able to continue enjoying the product that they that that they like.
0: Absolutely. I love it when a uh, kind of um you know the community managers engage with the uh, the player base, kind of like say, Hey, we're missing the deadline by like a day or two, uh, for like live service. Here's like double XP for an hour. I don't know. Uh just something <laughs> an incentive. Uh definitely not. This is the maybe with
1: the like <laughs> No school play Battlefield fans port. Two might see certain resemblance <laughs> here. Might, might not. Although we've been really good. I'm very proud of the team of uh, <laughs> usually they appreciated most of our deadlines so I have to give huge kudos to the team
2: working on the live service of 2042.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but I guess we'll move on to uh, Nico. Uh, your question.
2: Yes, so my question for the podcast is uh, how do you balance the business realities with the creative vision in the game
3: project? <laughs> you don't! <laughs> <laughs>
2: people, in the,
1: people listen, they can't see us laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like there's this smile
3: you of just like, yeah, oh. yeah you just don't uh, okay it takes a lot of effort but she your choice I um coincidentally i think i think for the to give yourself the best business reality prototyping execution kind of comes into play here right and and that and that kind of Ties into your creative vision, right? And putting yourself in your best, giving yourself the best opportunity to realize that creative vision, allows you to better execute on those on those business realities, or or gives you a better product to to push those business realities. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the the business realities always kind of dictate some fashion or another about what your creative vision can truly be. whether it's um, res- uh, a developmental restriction, a budgetary restriction, a uh, uh, platform restriction, whatever those 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 tend to be, I think they always kind of come into some, they're always going to have some sort of weight on your creative vision. Mm-hmm. So being in a position to execute on a, on a good prototype, understand or have a a game director who has a clear vision for their GDD or or what they would like this product to be in its ideal state, give you the best opportunities to execute on on your business realities.
1: I love this question. <laughs> I have to measure <laughs> that again. Um, it is. As a pre- and now, I will speak as a producer in a room full of producers, and I know all my former and current creative directors, design directors, directors, and game directors would have a different view on things. <laughs> what I'm saying. However, as a producer, that is always a challenge because um, as a producer, I am aware of you know the business targets I'm aware of, or timelines. I'm aware that how easily it is to slip by changing things in the middle of it and how much the whole my whole yeah. plan crumbles. Um and the only thing I can say are the experiences on the shop floor, like how throughout the years I worked with my creative counterparts because um, I was never the creative director you know, leading the creative direction of the of the game, but I've always had to and am working um, with those colleagues, um, usually as partners. So uh, quite often uh, it's about to- talking a lot with the creative and aligning, making sure that we are, on, both of us are aligned. Uh, and that's mostly so it doesn't affect the team because team gets extremely stressed and um, confused if they hear, one from the creative direction be it the design director narrative director our director and one from their producer so always absolutely. make sure that exactly that we are aligned so we hash it out between yes. ourselves <laughs> we come onto yeah. to common ground the common agreement and then we go with that to the team and that really helps to for team to okay we understand we have one direction we don't have multiple directions coming from uh, different people a unified front absolutely exactly uh, which, you know, depending on the people, some people are more easy to work with, some people are not that easy to work with. They're all creative. So they're all very passionate and very creative and have amazing yep. ideas, which <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to say no to. Um, and sometimes, which um, uh, I I hope no one will get offended, but I love it. <laughs> I love this the, the script. It's like, you heard cats. <laughs> and I heard this from a fellow producer. That's exactly what you're doing. You know, you're <laughs> helping her cats. Um, I love cats. I have trees. So please take this as the biggest compliment I can say. Uh, so for me, <laughs> it's usually, you know, building the the very strong relationship with my creative direction. So we can, you know, work together to present, as you mentioned, you're the unified front and uh, the one direction to the team, which takes into account both business realities, as well as the creative
2: direction for the game
3: or the parts of yeah. the game. Oh, I right. agree with that.
2: Thank you for the great answers. Uh, for me, it's uh, of course a little bit different since we are uh, much more smaller company. We we can be agile, but our partners like uh, pharmaceutical companies and healthcare industry they are not that agile as we are. But uh, what how we have been um, balancing it is that uh, we all when we do productions we we do like really hard feasibility studies uh, regarding the topic. If is it's if it's uh, ADHD or COVID nineteen or something, we we study uh, with the professionals like what's the um, like uh, goal of the game, and then we uh, start uh, building building the game starting from the like what's the problem, how can we turn it in the game mechanic, for example, and then starting build the game on that, and uh, of course um, we come up with multiple ideas, like uh, design ideas, and then go those through with our partners, and then decide uh, what's What's suitable for their budget, and uh, that's how we. It, it's kind of like old-fashioned way to do uh, game products that we have like really good plan, like timetable and budget beforehand. We are not uh, that agile like other mobile game developers, but uh, it's kind of must-have when you work with uh, companies like that. And uh, we we can't do like just start making really yeah. <clears throat> nice idea-sounding game and afterwards implement. Okay, let's have a vaccine in this game, and how we're gonna do that. And then if we if we would do that like that, then the game wouldn't be. Uh, it, it could be uh, entertaining, but not that educating, or vice versa. So we we have to keep those two things in mind, uh, starting from beginning.
0: Yeah, you're definitely in a very unique position with like uh, the the kind of games yeah.
2: that you work. With.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I imagine your work requires far more hard data up front. Yeah, at, yep, it is. In in order to execute. And that's I you're not gonna get you're not gonna get the the freedom of being able to to prototype something and and very validate the data of does does this gameplay is this gameplay loop fun, right? It's it's you end up having to look at industry standards and And previous using your previous experience of how long something took before you can execute and taking those to your clients.
2: Yes, and communication is the key here as well. So, like we we are now starting to know um, after years of studying pharma industry, we are starting to like understand how it works. But pharma industry they don't know anything about the games, of course. So it's a lot of communication between uh, our partner companies. Um, and there, like um, if there's, for example, patient unions or something like uh, experts by experience, uh, we we have to go through a lot of discussions and uh, like what's the game about? What uh, is it? Any way offending to any patients, for example? And how how is the media and how is the pharmaceutical regulations and like and actually that's like one big thing is that when we uh, plan the productions, uh, we need to, uh, like understand that we can do like quick changes for the game and we can not fix bugs afterwards. Usually it needs to be like bugless versions because it's from the pharma companies and, um, <clears throat> or made with pharma companies and, um, like testing times and going through all the regulations with all the content in game, it requires a lot of time.
0: Do you have like, like uh... yeah. I was gonna say sorry, like um, John mentioned before about obviously uh, in previous um, roles he's had to kind of go over the the learns uh, and the timeline of production uh, and then kind of review it uh, at intervals, uh, kind of like a retro. Um, do you ever find you have to kind of do that um, for like a, a pitch for like validation for a project? Like we've learned how to avoid these sort of things. This is why this game is going to be be better. Have you ever been in that sort of situation before? Yeah, it's it's. Um... It's often, yeah. always. No but I, I guess, um, is there any kind of additional points anyone wants to make there on the business realities and creative vision? Kind of one
1: sneakily, uh, because it kind of ties into, so I have created my own triangle. We all know about the triangles in production. You know, you have the quality of, uh, of speed at the third one, the triangle. You have the triangle with top of producer you are. However, I have invented my own triangle and I'm kind of, when I was spreading it around, <laughs> So here's here's my opportunity. What I have discovered where I would say the best results come from is when you have this triangle between creative direction. So someone who drives the creative direction, someone who drives and has a hat of product owner, which means drives the game as a product understanding, and have a and someone who has a hat of a project manager, which is pretty much a reality check for both of them. <laughs> and honestly, that triangle where you have and it, that triangle is a team. They work together, but they also all pull in their own direction. And then when they come, the result of three of them pulling in their own direction, for me, it's usually the best one. It's the one that usually is, you know, it's addressing all the necessary things you need to for a game as a product. Uh, It's making sure that it can be delivered on time. It had been validated. So this is my new triangle, which I think it's not, doesn't exist everywhere and everything, but I believe it's very important to have the best
0: results in the end. Interesting. You just uh, <laughs> rocked the boat there, shattered the uh, the industry. <laughs> the new point. It
1: would be good to hear like you know what are other people's thoughts and experiences with such triangles. Have you tried it out? How did it work for them? I'm curious.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, I guess um, in terms of the uh, following up point uh, as well, it kind of uh, links into a previous point with um, with deadlines. Uh, and Nika, you've got your your bonus question that you wanted to ask uh, as well, and I'll just throw that over to you.
1: Thank you. So my bonus question, which seems to be, we'll have time to um, answer, is how do you navigate between scope creep, but also allowing, allowing the creative ideas during the process to create a better player experience, even though that work hasn't been planned for initially? <laughs> I know, and this is mostly <laughs> referring to games as a very <laughs> creative yeah. thing.
3: So I think, I think one of my biggest pieces here is is kind of two things, right? And this kind of goes back to to having validated data from um, from prototyping or, or vertical slicing, where your where your gameplay loop is is enjoyable and 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 deep enough that you can continue to explore. Um, but you also kind of look at it like creating a better player experience. When you say creating a better player experience, I always think of U I and UX and, and that's something that is, is always iterative there's never any truly this is the best answer, this is the best place, it is something that we you start with solid foundation and you continue to build on that and, and tweak and adjust in order to get the best experience that you possibly can um, and that always kind of has some level of scope creep I think when you work in a live service environment, this is this is something that is far more manageable than something like Nico might have, or uh, in in something that requires hard data, or or a single player game where once you are kind of done, you're done, right? With with live service, you're able to get player feedback, get get backend data that that supports the arguments for the changes that you want to make and you can put those out in further up content updates uh for something that's single player related you're kind of hard locked to being able to identify those best player experiences and i think one of the best things to do in that situation is is kind of look at use reference look at what other titles did that, that created that great player experience. And, and obviously I'm still kind of stuck here in UI and UX. um, But I mean, you, you could, you could easily apply that to game loops as well. Um, I think putting, I think putting yourself in a position to get as much data as you can upfront to be able to to look at your own game and pick and pull what you th- you think is really at the end of the day you don't have the validation for your own data you have to you have to kind of create that you pick and pull those pieces from reference to put yourself in a best position possible and then the the scope creep kind of you look at what you're capable of doing. And in what your budget really is, and 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 kind of you taper those those expectations to that.
2: Exactly. I I don't know. <clears throat> is there like specific um, rule or line? I think it's it's like big area. Um, and when when making decisions, like can we put this amazing feature in game? Okay, it requires X amount of time and X amount of resources, and then uh, start um, like waiting it against the budget and, and like overall scope, like how much do we really have uh, like possibility to add that kind of uh, like extra features. We always usually reserve extra time for those kind of things. But um, usually like when we do games, we don't add that much extra stuff and definitely not making big changes to like core game uh, mechanics, because usually those are the like first things that we do and those are based on the on the, um, like our client, um, informative I- information that they want to like um, uh, put out through the game. So, but yeah, I think it's it's area and um, usually it's also like about the, like leads. Um, how how does the art lead, for example, uh, think about some feature that takes a lot of their resources? and uh do do they have time can we can they squeeze more time from somewhere can can we cut something something else can we use maybe t- templates or something with um something else for for different purposes so um there's no like right or wrong answer it's, it's definitely how much does it improve the product itself how how is does it improve the game for the target audience how does it, does it make game more effective to deliver information through game in our case thank you it
1: seems again it's one of those it's, it's question that also came i was very interested to hear uh what you think about it. what have been your experiences and uh it definitely sounds we all take the same approach as we do count for it in planning because we know that will happen i know that's been the yep. case um, uh, every team i work with um and i also meant because i've worked on different types of games for me it's also um, you know, when developing develop a new content or a new feature, you will often so often I would have conversations with a team where, you know, they were like, Oh, well we set up the scope and now we just need to deliver. So sometimes it was also a change of thinking that even though we set up what we want to do, we need to get it in the software as soon as possible. We need to start playtesting internally sometimes if it's something bigger and has more impactive and external you know have the UXR tests as like having the smaller outsider group of people you know trying it out to be yeah, able validate. to get the data exactly validate and that might change the scope because the data we get it might be hey we, and I think you really nail it when you mention it should be then you know bring brought back to whatever backlog robot we have and then Validate against the other things, it's like this This, this actually brings more value and should you maybe, you know, move the resources to that part instead of the other one. So it, it and I think it's also for me, it was very important that the, the team um, as a whole understands that those are the changes. It's not like we are changing direction. Those are the changes needed and a part of it if you want to deliver the best game or the best product to our players.
0: Um, I guess that kind of uh, loops back sort of to our discussions earlier on in the podcast uh, around like deadlines being missed and things. Uh, also asking ahead of that uh, you know, new things that are being added to the pipeline that no one expected coming, right? Uh, kind of uh, gauging and making sure everyone's happy uh, and knows what the, the new course of action is uh, as well. Makes me think of, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, Avengers um, Infinity War, the, the timelines get all split, and like, you can see all the different versions the way the game could have gone. <laughs> This is the one we're choosing now.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but uh, I, I did have just one kind of one question before that kind of crept up during uh, Nico's point. Uh, I don't suppose anyone who's worked uh, on solely like single-player games. I think Jordan, you might have before. Yeah. Um, so I, just, I was just kind of curious, really. Um, I'm sure the uh, listeners are at home, but in terms of like business realities versus the the creative vision, obviously it's um, very. Um, dynamic with uh, with live service but in terms of like a, a single player game how does that kind of uh, compare because the the production scope and everything is completely different
3: yeah um so so with live service so what i've kind of learned here is that live service right you validate your your game loops your gameplay loops um your your live service loops your inner loops your outer loops and and in your engagement force for single player parts of that kind of remain the same where um your your prototyping your vertical slicing is is ensuring that your gameplay loop is is engaging and fun but um the difference here is a lot of what needs to get identified on paper by the time you finish your vertical slice is will dictate the rest of your your software development. And so um coincidentally I'm kind of going through this now where um I am I am pushing for creative direction to to have their vision clarified for the team and and understand what they want to make so the team knows where they're going. And and that gets kicked up right to 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 leadership and c-suite and 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 helps them determine our budget our um um i forget what the word i'm looking for is um but um uh i guess projections in and 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 what we'll end up potentially selling and based off of the information that we have and but I, it's, it's a little more rigid than, than live service where it's, it's, um, it, a lot of pieces are required to kind of be identified up front and, and, and put in positions to either be implemented and iterated on quickly to verify those because you don't get a whole lot of pivoting.
0: Oh, I really appreciate you going into in, in depth on that. Um, I guess the, the, what kind of spurred the question in the back of my mind was thinking of uh, like Bethesda titles that spend nearly a decade each in development, and <laughs> I just think, how do you start that plan <laughs> like ten years before release? It must be a, a nightmare for the producers.
1: <laughs> when there are games big as that, yes, it's a it's not an easy undertaking. But you also have a usual internal. Uh, not play tested but into the UXR testing. I, I I mean it's I haven't worked on single player. I had a privilege to work um on the twenty forty two before it was released as the one mm-hmm. I still call call it the behemoth of a game because um uh, sometimes it was just just kind of a trying to comprehend how big that game was it was uh, it was a quite an undertaking. Um but also what I've learned again as someone who worked most of my time in live service I actually working on the game, you know, that's been worked on for a couple of years before it's actually being released, I realized how privileged I am when I work in live service because you have live data from your players playing the game now. Like if you did your work, you have all telemetry in the game, you get what your players are doing. And then from your community managers, you get what players are saying. So it's you, get, you have this information pretty much ready for you to use um and once when i worked on the game that you know you work for years before it's actually being out for release i realized how much of a privilege it is to actually be working with a live service game where um you don't have that you, you do sometimes have to guess and then try and validate it with uh, various testings but um it, it is sometimes just guessing that hey we think this will work
3: yeah I, that is you know that is the great benefit of live services that just there is so many different avenues for you to obtain data that can better inform your design decisions and the directions you can go and, and your pipelines. It's, it's, it's so gratifying, honestly. And, and I, and it's not to say that doing a single player isn't gratifying, but it is, it is the challenge and, and the, the nature of that. the that, uh, that challenge is so completely different. It's It requires, you, you kind of look at it almost as like agile versus waterfall methodologies where a lot of those pieces kind of need to be in place and identified in, from a creative vision in order for you to start executing. Whereas... With live service, it's an amount, an amorphous blob at some points, and you kind of it's 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 much more malleable to shape based on that data that you get.
0: I guess what you're uh, you're saying is, if you're uh, thinking of being a producer, uh, then try and get into live service as much as you can.
3: (laughs) I think, I think, I I mean, I necessarily wouldn't say that, but I do think it's you get. Uh, it's I wouldn't say easier because right like making no. games is rocket surgery, but um, it is it is far easier to execute on than say um, than than a single player game and and you have you have far more avenues of information being fed to you to better inform you and 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 push the direction of your game than something that is is kind of like building everything all at once throwing that fireball and hoping it hits
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely and i, I like you say it's definitely like a rocket science but it's just choosing which type of rocket <laughs> you're going to build right and so it's going to be hard either way <laughs> but um is there any uh, final point that anyone kind of wants to make uh, at all? Because we've gone through all the other uh, questions, but is there anything else anyone wants to bring up or anything they want to mention? Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, in that case, then, I appreciate everyone kind of joining in on the uh, the podcast. And once again, uh, Jordan, Nico, and Nika uh, for taking part. And uh, if you want to get involved in one of the podcasts as well, Evolution, then uh, reach out to me at my very long email of adam.miller-betridge at evolution-nordics.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. See you next time.